and welcome to Eventful, the podcast for meeting professionals. I'm your host, Lauren Edelstein with North Star Meetings Group. Eventful, the podcast, is our way of inviting you to join some of the interesting conversations we have with people in our business about topics that really should be on your radar. I look forward to hearing what you think, and please be sure to subscribe. This episode is brought to you by Fort Myers. It's always a good day to meet throughout the islands, beaches, and neighborhoods of Fort Myers. Here, you'll find beautiful settings that inspire innovation. This easygoing destination is a short drive from major Florida cities and just minutes from Southwest Florida International Airport. Create energizing team-building events on white sand beaches, network in open-air historic venues, brainstorm great ideas on the golf course, and so much more. Whether you're planning an intimate gathering on Sanibel Island or a larger event in downtown Fort Myers, our trusted venues and vendors are ready to help you plan every detail. Good days are here. Let our conference service teams create a seamless experience for your group. Ask about our Island Incentive Room Rebate offer for new meetings happening May through December and start planning at meetinfortmyers.com. Hello, I'm Sarah Braley, Managing Editor for North Star Meetings Group. And I'm here today with Brett Starenson, President of Hotel Lobbyists, a 15-year-old site selection firm that mostly focuses on government events. Welcome to the Eventful Podcast, Brett. Great to be here with you. As we were chatting right now, you said that things seem to be ramping up. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, it's been the most explosive two-week span that I've experienced since 2019, for sure. Now, we've had some hot pockets, some glimmers of hope, but this one has been sticking longer than, than the rest. Accounts from whom I'd not heard really in two years that have really been dormant in terms of meeting planning are eager to get things on their calendar, mostly in the year for the year, which is is generally to the delight of the hotel community, although with so much pent-up demand, it is a challenge finding availability. Yeah, that seems to be a universal problem at the moment, but a good one, I would think. What was 2020? I mean, I know that 2020 was like, you know, a wash, but what was 2021 like for government events? The wash continued. You know, 2020 when the pandemic began, was very busy with canceling and rescheduling events that could be rescheduled. A lot of government events and even my association clients whose members are state government can't really plan outside of their fiscal year. So it wasn't possible to reschedule a lot of these. When 21 rolled around, the hope was that we would start rescheduling these. And uh, while, like I mentioned, there was a glimmer, there were a couple of of sort of safe feeling spots last year, they largely disappeared once we started working on them, whether uh, they never got the approval to put them on the calendar or, or we booked them and then had to cancel them a second time. That was really the story of 21. So in a lot of ways, 21 was just as bad for, for my groups as it was in 20. Well, that's hard. Has there ever been a blanket edict concerning government events that that helped you figure out what you could do and what you couldn't do? No, not at all. Uh, In fact, really became agency to agency. There were certainly more agencies that were more cautious about events than others. Some that had sort of a moratorium on travel. End of story. There is no travel. And others that were were working on small groups in safe places. There was a trickle for, for a lot of the year. Military was traveling. 
uh, some other people, so people weren't traveling very far or you know they were traveling for assignments so they would be traveling to the border for example for for a matter of, of border security or um or hurricane relief you know i did i do work with a few accounts that uh, were in new orleans for extended periods of time you know putting things back together there so th that kind of travel won't be stopped by a pandemic and, and it's not the kind of travel you hope will happen every year of course but you know there was travel it was just in smaller numbers are you like keeping a list of the agencies that are giving events the go-ahead is there a type of government meeting that will get the go-ahead pretty easily i would say in the last two or three weeks all agencies are are really on board uh, with getting things on the calendar there are different um measures uh, of that they're taking some agencies are still putting meetings on the books that require one per six foot which is something we discussed at the very beginning of the pandemic, that kind of social distancing. Hotels were very quick to adapt. They would publish you know, new specs with social distancing at one per six foot or relaxed distancing, as they called it, which was you know, one per three foot. But most in, in most places, they've returned to standard seating. That is not the case with the government. The government, at least a couple of agencies, still have measures in place that require them getting a ballroom that is twice or three times the size that they would ordinarily need. Now, having said that, it is likely, it is possible that by the time that meeting takes place, those restrictions will not be in place. And so for the hotel's sake, it's possible we can give back space by the time we meet. But right now for contracting, a lot of my clients are still needing much larger space than they would normally need. Now, of course, there are published rates and and relaxations of rates for government meetings. And how is that working, though? I mean, hotels probably are getting, like you said, are getting a little more uh, stingy with what they've got left over. Are you able to find such large spaces that you might need? Yeah, no, that is a challenge, no doubt. And this is not a typical um, recovery from an economic impact. This is This is a little bit different. GSA, who sets per diem rates in, in the destinations, did a very smart thing in 21, which was to hold rates constant, even though if you go by the statistics they normally go by, it would call for a great reduction in rate last year. They chose not to. They, they figured that it was an anomaly and they held steady. And that has helped because rates were high. They were high in 2019 and 2020. Government rates were fair. And you could get them in a lot of downtown spaces. So it's still not as unattractive a rate as it used to be. Mm -hmm. um, the question now is, can we find the space? With all the groups that have relocated their 2020 and 2021 meetings into 22, along with the groups that are, who would normally meet in 22, you know, tier one cities are full. Tier two cities are full. And so I like the creativity that comes with steering clients to areas that may not have gotten a lot of attention before. Are you mostly, you know, like going to cities that have airlift or are you using suburbs? What are you doing? We try. I mean, with government, that's usually important is, is not to even have to make a connection for most of their travelers. But my instruction to them now is we either need a backup city or we need a backup date. And that was never my instruction before. I was always, uh, just give me your first choice. We will find it. There's no reason to tease hotels who are not even in the market for this one. And now, you know, from the onset, we need to have a backup in place because it's unlikely we'll get our first choice. Mm. 
that makes your job a little more uh, difficult. <laughs> it's it's a little more work, but it, it really expands the breadth of my work too. I, I get to work with more cities than I, I used to. You know, I like get to work with smaller markets. And for my clients whose meetings aren't terribly large and who could fit in almost every market, I think they will find that they will get even more attention in a smaller destination than they would in a larger one. That's often the case, especially if you're going to a place that's trying to trying to up their visibility as a destination. They'll be happy Absolutely. for you. And what is the size of your meetings? Are you going above 100 people or are you mostly in the up to 100? I think about, well, uh, since my merger and acquisition this year, I probably uh, have a portfolio of about 300 to 400 meetings a year. Most of them are self-contained uh, single hotel meetings, uh, so 100 or fewer people. But I am working on on three citywide conventions this year where we've got 11 or 1,200 in attendance and one that I just got word of, which will have 4,000 in attendance. And that's this year. That is in this calendar year. So it runs the gamut. I've, I've got meetings as small as five and as big as 4,000 now. That's quite a big jump from what you're working on, isn't it? You would think it would take a lot more uh, work and effort to place a meeting for 4,000 than it does for five, but sometimes that's not actually true. <laughs> so <laughs> how diligent about you know safety, COVID protocols are governor planners being? That's a great question. Just this week, I had a conversation with a federal agency that wanted to restrict places that they were searching to places that were very compliant with COVID safety. I won't call out states' names right now, but there are a few whose reputations are poor in that realm, and they've been precluded from consideration. That's something for governors to think about you know, in the future, if really it could be detrimental to their business, the lack of precautions they've been taking. But then again, they've been open since the start of COVID, so they've more than made up for anything they're going to lose in the next few months. That's possible. <laughs> are you being asked to find out particular things from hotels in the RFPs? What are you being asked to look for? Yeah. Yeah. want to know what precautions they're taking. Certainly. And that's something that hotels have published, you know, from the very beginning, but also now what onus is on the customer. There are states, there are cities that require, you know, have vaccine requirements or even testing requirements to come in. Uh, and that's changing daily. That could be even county by county. So it is important for hotels to be able to, to give me even just a, a one pager that says, here's the expectation of your attendees. Now, does the group have to invest in some sort of app which uploads sensitive information that, that can protect them? Or, or is it a, an honor system? Or, or in the case of a meeting I attended last year, are masks even something from the past? It, it really depends on where you're planning your meeting. But it, my clients, especially the government, they want to know what's expected. Right. And so that's being spelled out in the RFP, you're saying? Uh, yeah. So I'll say, please, please return with your, your COVID protocols uh, and what's required of my client you know, before we sign a contract. The last thing we'd want to do is to set our clients up for, for failure or, or something that they can't afford to do, whether you know, it's having on-site testing or, or investing in an app that can, that can keep all this proprietary data. Is there a process that you've been going through over the past two years that you feel is now ingrained in the in the planning process that wasn't there before, but that you expect to be there for the rest of your working days? Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, I've been in business 15 years and we've always been we've always learned about force majeure, but I had not exercised force majeure until COVID started. So 
It's something that's always been on a contract, and I have learned more about the nuances of that clause than I've ever wanted to know. Like, for example, if you sign a contract today, the pandemic isn't covered under force majeure. And I think most planners know that now, but it, it can come to a surprise for someone who is not uh, in the game. And so what I'm, I'm seeing and what I'm asking of hotels is, sure, let's keep our, our force majeure clause in there. But we also need a separate COVID protection that if there was a flare up, if it wasn't possible, if it was actually impossible for some percentage of the travelers to get to this city because of COVID, that they have at least the ability to reschedule without penalty. We're not asking for an all in out walk, walk out of it scot-free like you do with a, with a typical force majeure, but some protection against a flare up. And that's a separate clause now. That's two different clauses on the contract. Well, it's more like you're talking about cancellation, which, you know, (laughs) force majeure has always been in the moment, an act of God, something that happened right away, right then that will allow both parties out. Because generally speaking, if it's a force majeure situation, neither side can perform. Mm -hmm. But with COVID and with the permutations a couple of weeks out, that's not that day. And that has to have been written in to begin with. And so you need a separate area where you're talking about impossibility or... Impracticability is my favorite. Yeah, Frustration of purpose. That's the other one I was thinking of. Definitely. Definitely. And you know, clients are sometimes surprised when frustration of purpose is not written into the contract that they can't get out of that contract because the people who they intended to meet with can't come. Well, that that is not the hotel's responsibility. Right. But if we write it in from the get-go and if the hotel is agreeable, then then there's an out. And so yeah, we're very, very sensitive to the language now that we we used to kind of gloss over and now it's very critical. Right. Now do you do you find that hotels are accepting that language? Yes, it's not there when you first look at the draft, right. but once we we get into the nitty-gritty, sure. You know, hotels just want you to hold their meeting. And so if you're essentially agreeing to hold that meeting. Whether it takes even, place that day or right. two months down the road. They, they're they okay with it. Right now, when I have clients who are at the verge of cancellation, the conversation is usually, can you hold some form of this meeting? Can you still hold the meeting? Because the hotel may be very flexible on performance, but they really don't want to see you cancel. And that's that's the conversation we're having right now. Very interesting. To what extent do you ask about staffing in contracting and negotiating and about services that are available at the hotel? It should be a conversation. I have not yet had to write that into contracts, but it it is, I would think, even more critical when you're contracting with a four and five star property. And I'm always blown away. You know, I was recently in Las Vegas for IMAX and stayed at a four-star hotel that has 4,000 plus rooms. And I was blown away that they could still perform at that level, given you know the staffing issues that we see. Yeah. If you're booking a hotel of that caliber, it's a conversation you really should have, especially for short-term business. Can the hotel deliver at that rate? Are there any amenities that we're, we're accustomed to that are not available right now? Room right. service is a big one uh, that people ask for and something. But, but yes, I think it should be written into the contracts. I'm not seeing a lot of that for my government business. I, I don't know if the three-star hotels and, and some of the ones I'm working with are in the same position that some of these luxury hotels are in. But I encourage folks to have that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any other challenges that are hampering your events at the moment? 
Ah, uh, well, it's frustration of real estate, you know, not, not enough places to go. Right now, the problems are, are great problems to have. I've got uh, you know, more business in the last two weeks than I've had in the last six months. It's, it's not even an exaggeration. And so it's just, it's just keeping organized. I think there's going to be a few more blips. I mean, everyone's predicting that there'll be hot spots, but they're also predicting that there may not be a nationwide surge like we've seen you know, in the past. So I think what clients are doing is they're learning to live with COVID as part of the reality of holding meetings rather than continuing to put off these meetings. My biggest fear, and it's not um, as relevant today as it was even two or three months ago, was that meetings would go so long without happening that these agencies would adapt to going about their business without face-to-face meetings. And if they, just like folks who work from home, you know, if they if they can do it for long enough, then it just becomes the norm. I don't think we went down that slope yet. And it's interesting that you bring that up because we did a, our meetings industry pulse survey recently. There was someone who noted they had a couple events that are aimed at local government officials that were continuing to be virtual. And so, yeah, everybody, of course, pivoted to virtual at first. And I think we all worried that everything would be virtual from now on because people would get used to it. But I'm encouraged by the last, like I said, a couple of weeks, it seems like as soon as the light was green, the, the dam burst, you know, everyone was ready to, to meet. If that wasn't the case, then I'd, I think my fear would be, be bigger. Uh, but it seems like they've just been ready to hit send on those emails and I'm, and I'm getting them now. So I'm encouraged. Is there a time of year they're going to? Are they going to spring? Are they going to summer? Are they going to fall? Yeah, no, it seems like I mean, it seems like first quarter is still going to be soft, no matter how you get around it. And that's that's We're in February, a soft so. quarter. You know, it really, it really, Omicron did not crush as uh, the same way that the pandemic did when it first started because it started in a March. And March, April, May is my busiest time of year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so to start peeling off meetings uh, off the books from that time of year is a lot worse than January and February. But yeah, for for my clients, it's second quarter and beyond. The the next nine months look solid. I'm wondering if there's going to be uh, a pullback from next winter, just because the surges take place around then. And, you know, we've had several now Christmases or holiday seasons that have have just been flattened. So, you know, yes, I think that's something we need to watch out for. But I had this conversation with a client the other day, too. Uh, This was maybe two or three weeks ago, they were considering strongly canceling their program for the end of March in Salt Lake City. And so it was 10 weeks out. And I, I cautioned them not to, not to cancel it because 10 weeks before there was no Omicron. Right. So to, 10 weeks is a huge amount of time in the life of a pandemic. And, and my suggestion was to have a conversation with the hotel about performance. And if we could you know, loosen the, the reins on attrition, that they could still hold some version of the meeting. And that's exactly what they're doing. And mm-hmm. we're seeing the numbers getting better by the day. By the time their meeting rolls around, it could, be, it could be a really good environment for them. So I'm really glad they did that. That's very interesting. I mean, if you look at some places where it surged so badly. I mean, it surged here in New Jersey quite a bit, but now we're down to a transmission rate of 0.55. It's, it's just dropping precipitously. And I expect that to happen across the country. So I would think that 10 weeks from now, which is around, <laughs> I'm going to travel for the first time in eons. Oh, um, gee. It'll change. It's amazing to see too, you know, even I've been going to industry meetings since, since being vaccinated. In fact, IPEC uh, in Louisville last April was the first meeting I attended 
after being vaccinated. And it's amazing to see the difference in protocols, first by the by the area of the country, but also just as time went on, you know, this by the middle end of summer, beginning of fall, things felt good again. Uh, and there was a lot of loosening of restrictions. But I remember that first IPEC uh, back in April when we wore tracking devices for contact tracing. Mm-hmm. And I think in part that was to demonstrate, you know, the the lengths you could go as a meeting planner. But then you know, just six or seven weeks later, weren't even wearing masks. Now, of course, I was. I'm usually part of the 10% that is. But it's just amazing to see what 10 weeks really means in the life of the pandemic. And you're mentioning IPEC, which is one of our events, North Star Meetings Group's um, Independent Planner Education Conference, which is actually coming up in March, March 1st through 3rd. I'll be uh, there. Sports World, Las Vegas. So, you know, and we're planning on going ahead just because we know we can and we know how to do it safely. And that's that's the point here. Indeed. Um, state governments, do you work with them as well? Are they? I do. State governments are enigmatic because they work all differently. I work with national associations whose members are state governments. Mm. So the trick is 37 states may have one way of doing things and 13 states may have another way of doing things. And the point of them holding these meetings is to all come together and to share uh, best practices. Well, their meetings, uh, you know, it's a requirement that it be accessible to 50 states. So if there's a travel restriction in states and they simply cannot attend, they are forced to have a hybrid meeting. They're forced to. And then it becomes very expensive and a real challenge to those types of associations. There will never be a time where 50 states are on the same page. That's that's just not how the United States operates. Um, (laughs) But so, yes, so they have their own challenges for sure. Within state government, statewide meetings, it's probably actually simpler because, you know, certainly they all follow the same rules within the same state. But national meetings whose members are state government is a huge challenge. And it's probably going to remain a challenge for a while. Mm-hmm. There's states that have specific states they can't travel to. You know, mm-hmm. they, they really they call them out by state yeah. um, and other states that they can. So a big challenge. Well, this has been great. Uh, is there anything else you want to add about what you're seeing or what your challenges are or? Uh, no, I mean, I would just want to share that I'm encouraged, you know, and I, I would imagine most folks who are in my position have been encouraged lately. If there are planners who are listening and, and are still hesitant about travel, it can be done safely. The hotels and, and the destinations are doing their part. You can always do more. The, really, the only thing you can't control is who else will be there? Who else is traveling with me that's not maybe doing their part? But I've been to 14 industry events since being vaccinated. Uh, I have always felt, generally speaking, within control and that I could do my part to stay safe. And so, you know, this is the best way to be productive is, is, to, is to move it really on. It really is an individual thing now. It is. Yeah. It's a personal, you know, do I double mask on the plane? I absolutely double mask on the plane. Are there are there folks who are sitting in the, uh, in the banquet hall without masks? There are. It's just a personal choice, but uh, it has not stopped me. It has not stopped me from, from moving on. So I encourage all to do it whatever it takes for them. Sounds great. Well, thank you, Brett, for your time. We really appreciate everything you do for us. This episode is brought to you by Fort Myers. It's always a good day to meet throughout the islands, beaches, and neighborhoods of Fort Myers. Here, you'll find beautiful settings that inspire innovation. This easygoing destination is a short drive from major Florida cities and just minutes from Southwest Florida International Airport. 
create energizing team-building events on white sand beaches, network in open-air historic venues, brainstorm great ideas on the golf course, and so much more. Whether you're planning an intimate gathering on Sanibel Island or a larger event in downtown Fort Myers, our trusted venues and vendors are ready to help you plan every detail. Good days are here. Let our conference service teams create a seamless experience for your group. Ask about our island incentive room rebate offer for new meetings happening May through December and start planning at meetinfortmyers.com. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate and review us and check back for new episodes soon.